Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. We're so happy you're with us. At the start of 2018, I'm Dr. Rowan Adler. Dr. Kathy Greenberg is with us. And between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. We always try to bring you uh, people who will give you a, a little bit of that competitive edge, that focus edge, that emotional intelligence edge that will not only help you, but take some of these tips and tools to bring to your team, bring to your organization. And today, we're fortunate enough to bring with us Court Dial. Over the last 30 years, Court has been in a variety of environments, ranging from corporate skyscrapers to South American jungles. Court has honed a unique methodology that reliably produces performance heretofore deemed impossible. So we're going to hear about that today. And he calls this method all-in performance transformation, and he trains and certifies business executives and rising leaders in it at his Heretics to Heroes. That's the title of his book, Heretic to Heroes, that's what we're going to also quiz him about, and he has leadership mastery summits held throughout the year in Austin, Texas. Today, he is the president of Court Dial Consulting, where he has successfully guided business coaches and executives from organizations such as Chevron, Intel, U.S. Borax, Disney, and Apple to cultivate and breed a new breed of leaders. He guides individuals through frank self-evaluation, personal change, and the pursuit of extraordinary performance he creates in the all-in leaders, high achievers who recognize the power of human connection. So we're really excited to pick Court's brain and to see what he can share with us and also share with you as far as our audience. And as you all know, Kathy and I now have been doing this for over 10 years. And Dr. Kathy Greenberg is a well-respected coach, and she uh, deals with proven work-life strategies based on positive psychology, and now what we call the science of courage. Kathy has won many awards and, and is called the First Lady of Happiness, now the First Lady of Fearless Living by ABC TV, and she has authored multiple popular books on the science of happiness, including What Happy Working Mothers Know. She touches millions as a much-in-demand speaker, TV, radio, and media personality. Kathy is the founder of four different consultancies and three leadership institutes that support behavioral research while bringing friendly tips and tools. She also uh, has a free app, iPhone app, that you can get and see her lovely face, Your Happiness Now, available on iTunes stores. And her latest number one selling book is based on her special, uh, her work with special operations, sports athletes, and global executives, and that's called Fearless Leaders Sharpen Your Focus. If you go to her website, www.fearlessleadersquiz, you can get a lot of different tools, and you can take a, an assessment there that will give you free downloads, bring out your true talent. So, Kathy, welcome. Thank you, Relly. I'm very, very excited about today's show. Uh, I've been looking through Court's book, 
uh, Heretics to Heroes. I uh, have lots of questions for him about some of the chapter titles, which I think are fascinating. We'll get into those in a, in a couple of minutes. But for those of you who have not been with us for, oh, gosh, almost a decade now, I just want to... Um, and I'm not sure if you mentioned this, Raleigh. I just want to remind everybody that in addition to being on the air for 10 years, we are uh, ranked uh, in the top five uh, top shows on the, this network. And uh, that's largely due to the guests that we have and the topics that we bring you. So please continue to tell us uh, what kinds of topics interest you by downloading uh, and by uh, getting our free apps and uh, coming to visit us. I just want to also mention that we are currently in 26 countries, 127 cities around the globe, and we're getting over 100,000 downloads from our uh, show inventory. So we're really, really pleased that you all are with us and learning with us and, and really enjoy what we have to bring you. So thank you for that. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my co-host, dear friend, colleague, advisor, um, I could say so many more things about who you are to me, Raleigh, but you are to many um, a master-level certified executive coach, a psychologist, a corporate leadership and team trainer. And, of course, Raleigh brings his legendary expertise in emotional intelligence to all of his keynotes consulting, coaching, and development programs. And I know this because I have been using Relly's techniques and emotional intelligence work for almost a decade now, and it's, uh, it's a fascinating world to live in. Dr. Nadler's newest ranked book is Leading with Emotional Intelligence, and it provides us with many, many tools, hundreds of tools and strategies to be your best, along with his wonderful leadership keys, which is a field guide. You can grab it on Amazon as a book or an ebook, and you can download his free iApp as well called Leadership Keys, which includes videos that you can watch and learn instantly from and use all of these hundreds of tools and tips immediately. And again, all you need to do is go to your app store and download it. It's free. Uh, Relly is a popular author on the Psychology Today blog with over 160,000 reads. Uh, I always enjoy his posts. And again, these are all free. You can measure your EQ and get more free resources from Relly by going to his EI Central site. All you need to do is text EI Central. That's E-I-C-N-T-R-A-L to 38470 or visit him at com. So, Relly, we're going to have a great show today with uh, Court Dial. Very pleased to have him here on the show. And uh, before we get started, do you want to talk uh, a little bit about why we're so, uh, I want to say, engaged with, dedicated to, and passionate about uh, leadership and emotional and social intelligence. Sure, sure Kath. I'll say a, a few words to our audience. Um, we always have new folks who may not have heard this. So what we're going to hear from Court and his uh, experience working with leaders and why we're focused on leaders is that the leader is the emotional thermostat for the team. 
how the leader goes, how they focus, how they manage their emotions has major influence over everybody in, in their realm, their team, their relationships, even at home. So uh, we really want to focus our tips and tools, you know, at these key influencers, which are our leaders. And the more someone moves up the corporate ladder, the more they need emotional intelligence, which a lot of our shows highlight around some of the competencies. Kathy and I uh, certify people in one of the big assessments, EQI, uh, Emotional Quotient Inventory. Um, but when you look at how smart someone is, IQ, and you look at their technical expertise, the research has shown the further you go up, the more you need to lead through others with others, which is a lot of the competencies of emotional intelligence. So um, I could say a lot more about that, but I think we want to uh, check in with Court. And Court, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Court, we always have a few questions that we want to ask just a little bit to get your background about uh, who has most influenced you in your life as a leader? And then we have a series of questions that we want to follow up with. Well, that was an extremely difficult question for me to answer when you sent it to me in your notes. There were so many. Um, I would have to say two people. One was the Dalai Lama, who I had the fortune of meeting and, and seeing present at Arizona State University when I was a young man. And I actually realized through uh, that session, sitting through that session, that there was an intentional way to live a happy life. And it's had a huge effect on me as I've gone through my life. But from a leadership standpoint, it would have to be the George character in my book. And George taught me two things. One is the, the first job of a leader. For my first job of a leader is to fall in love with my people. And I'd never mm. even considered that as a role as a manager or leader before, but he he taught me that. And if you read about when I went to Bahrain in my book, you you read all about that. And then he also taught me that who I'm being has as much to do with the results that I produce as what I do. And I'd always seen results in leadership and management as basically uh, all around my behavior and never considered who I'm being as I behave as having any effect uh, on the results I produce. So, Court, when you um, were looking at how to put together something that was meaningful that you could take to other people, uh, I have a quote here from your book, I believe, and it says, or it's from your website, you don't know what you're capable of. We say that a lot in our book, What Happy. Uh, Leaders know triggered in us a sense of um, fearlessness. And we say, what are you truly capable of? And what's really powerful here that I'm going to quote you on is, and I, I really resonate with this. I love this. It takes a heretic to confidently walk into a room cold and speak the truth. But that's exactly what you, your people, and your customers need. Very powerful. So can you talk a little bit about where that came from? Well, years ago, I was watching a show on TV, and it talked about a farmer who found a cave in France, and it has some of the oldest artifacts, human artifacts, on the cave walls uh, in human history. And in this show, they talked about uh, some of the little hands on the wall were from children, uh, children of what we consider a cave person. And 
The thing that intrigued me was they said that if you took that young child and raised them in our home today, that child would be no different than our own children. Could be an astronaut, could be a, a football player, whatever, design video games. And it got me thinking, well, if, if children and people from thousands of years ago are capable of doing what we can do today, then that must be true of us thousands of years in the future. So what is it that limits us? And I believe it's what we hold as a possibility. Anything that we hold as a possibility, we're capable of doing. And I think that's one of the key roles of a leader is to, to, to be and hold and embody a, a possibility. The example I use a lot is Dr. King. You know, we don't remember him because he stood up and said, I have a strategic plan. We, we remember Dr. King because he stood and declared a future that was so compelling that a lot of people said, hey, I want to be part of that. I can see it and I want to be part of it and I'm willing to change and do whatever it takes to make that happen. And so that's what I, I bring to a leader. I bring to a leader the potential and the, the capability to articulate a future that's so compelling that it captures the hearts and minds of his or her followers and then teach him or her how to direct that energy toward realizing that future. Well, that's a powerful dream that we want to come right back to. So just hang on one second, Court, and we're going to be right back to ask you more questions about your book, Heretics to Heroes. You're listening to Leadership Development News. Come right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. 
Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. We're talking with Court Dial here. You can hear more uh, from Court or get more information from him at courtdial.com. And Court, uh, before we took the break, you were just kind of getting into uh, a little bit about your book that we want to hear more about um, heretics to heroes. So maybe you know, define what for our audience what a heretic is, and then about the kind of the story behind the book. Um, and I imagine people can get the book at Amazon and other key places, right? Yes, just about everywhere. Okay. Yeah, well, ahead. for me, a, a heretic is a time traveler. Heretics are these rare individuals who can uh, go to the future, spend some time there, and come back and tell us what it's going to be like. And unfortunately, they're rarely listened to in the workplace. And my book is about the journey I took as a heretic. Um, there's a chapter in the book where I talk about it's called uh, He's a Witch. And in that chapter, I tell about getting in front of about 600 of the top executives in my company and making three different assertions. And one of them was that it was unacceptable to produce business results at the expense of people or the planet. And this happened to be a chemical company, and we did that a lot in our company. And I won't tell the whole story, but at the end of my speech, a man in the room stood up and yelled out, he's a witch, burn him. And the whole room burst out in laughter and applause. And and that's when I realized um, I'm totally different than all these other people. I see the world different, and uh, I can see something that they can't see. And fortunately, as I tell in my book, I talk about the people who recognized a heretic, myself, and, and taught and knew how to utilize someone like me. So in the book, I try to help people learn how to recognize the heretics in the organization and, and how to take advantage of that extremely valuable resource that's almost always ignored. So when you say um, he, you're a witch or um, someone's a heretic, uh, is there a way to get permission to be that person in an organization without taking risk? Without taking risk, no. Uh, but there 
it's always going to be risky in the sense because you're going to challenge the very essence of what's going on. I talk about in my book a concept called, which I call the drift. And I describe the drift as the way things are done, but the drift is really a, lead, a living organism, and it will fight for its survival, and a heretic is a threat to the survival of the drift. But I recently had a young man in a company I was coaching knock on my door, and this is an organization that's failing and was very likely to be going out of business if they couldn't turn things around. And he came into me and he said, Court, I know exactly not what we need to do and change, and I know how to do it, but no one will listen to me. In fact, my boss told me to shut up and don't ever bring it up again. Mm. What do I do? And I, my first work with him was to, to see whether he was willing to go all in and, and put it all out there and stick with his, his idea no matter what the consequences were. And once I was convinced he's willing to do that, I encouraged him to go find a mentor and he was smart enough to go to this most senior person in the organization and walk into his office and say, would you please mentor me? And then out of that mentorship, he was able to share his idea. And long story short, he's now leading the most important project they have in that, that organization. And they have turned things around. So that's uh, a great example. And I know through storytelling, you know, a lot of what you do in the book um, is, is a way to kind of create influence and even the story that you're talking about, this individual, um, you know, not only did he have to kind of believe in what he was uh, saying, he really had to then use some strategies about getting mentors and getting kind of allies there, um, you know, which are one of the competencies we talk about a lot. But uh, say a little bit about some of the uh, performance and, and that you had in Bayron and, and kind of why, why there? Like one of the things that it sounds like you were able to have a project there to save money and time. Say a little bit about that and also kind of save lives. So can you tell us about that? Well, you mentioned sto- storytelling. So real quick, the reason I use storytelling is it captures people's emotions. And yeah. I've learned over time that that's what drives people's behavior and that's what gets us results. I think it's a key skill of any leader is storytelling. But in Bahrain, we were faced with a very difficult situation. How do we build a, a, a refinery, in a sense, with thousands of men and, uh, who were unskilled, and I say men because in Saudi, women didn't work at the time, and, um, and do it without harming people, and do it when everyone involved with it thought it was impossible. As a matter of fact, their plan was to kill two and hurt a hundred seriously. So that was the the challenge was to put forth in front of the the leadership of that organization the possibility that work like this can be done without harming anyone and that that's what that was a heretical idea in that time people thought I was nuts and we were nuts by even proposing that but that's what heretics do and heretics also know how to enroll people and how, and how to to articulate that future in such a compelling way, where, as I said earlier, people say, I want to be part of making that happen. We were successful at doing that, and not only didn't they kill anybody or hurt anybody, they didn't have a single person leave the site uh, without uh, for, for needing medical attention. They finished ahead of schedule. They finished under budget. Millions of dollars were saved, and, and a lot of thousands of people who would have suffered would not have suffered. And the key there was the leader's ability to capture the hearts and, and minds of those thousands of men from Pakistan and India and uh, 
Jordan and all over and have them focus all that energy on a mission. And the mission was, we're going to find out a way to, to build this without hurting anybody, treating people with respect and dignity. We're going to do it ahead of schedule under budget. We're going to have great quality and we're going to have a lot of fun. And those were things that were never put in front of these workers. These workers were viewed as instruments like a, like a wrench. You break one, you throw it away and get another one. And for the first time in their working careers, they were taught as human beings. And I tell in the book, uh, as I was leaving the project, I went out and talked to a lot of people and found they had a nickname for the uh, project manager. And his nickname was Beloved Father. Hmm. And I think that pretty much said, said it all about how we produce the results we produce there. So, Court, as you think about how you find heretics, how you coach them, and how you provide them with the safety net of, of a mentor, coach them in the way of providing themselves with the safety net of a mentor, when did you learn to embrace the idea that you were a heretic and you could create other heretics who could do good? Well, I was pretty much told through the majority of my career by managers and uh, bosses of mine that I was different, um, that I saw things different. Um, I was often ridiculed at times by people I worked with, uh, often when I would suggest things. Um, but because of the mentors I had, and I talk about in the book, I made a speech. I, I believe I talk about this in the book. Um, I made a speech once in front of a bunch of PhDs in the company I worked at, and they all ridiculed me and basically said, you don't have enough education to be talking to us. And this was early on in my uh, career as an internal coach in the company, and I felt really dejected after that. And my mentor put his arm around me and said, kid, don't, don't allow those eggheads to, to bother you. They're, they're too busy with their stuck-up noses to notice uh, what you have to offer, and you threaten them because mm-hmm. you actually are smarter than they have and have an idea they can't, they didn't come up with, and that threatens them. And so it was, I was constantly told I was a heretic. I didn't realize what it really meant till I started learning about from, from folks like Joel Barker, the futurist, and other folks that what it meant to be a heretic and the process mm-hmm. you go through to, to engage your idea. Enroll people in the other idea, and I learned from different individuals, how do you actually enroll people? Once they're enrolled, how do you focus their energy? So my whole career, I would have to say, from the, almost from the get-go, was about being a heretic and learning how to be an effective heretic. So with that, uh, Court, um, one of the things that uh, you talk about in, in the book, uh, you know, was a, a takeaway about Michael's story. Do you want us to share that? And I don't know if that was the same story you shared before, or if this is a different one. No, Michael was a gentleman who found himself in a situation. His world changed. He was in charge of offshore drilling for a major oil company in the Gulf of Mexico. And he was in charge at the time that the Horizon disaster occurred. And Michael was totally lost. And he'll tell you to this day, he would have never succeeded without coaching. And it wasn't that I knew how to do what Michael needed to do. What I know how to do is help a leader reach his or her full potential. But Michael didn't know how to do that. Michael saw himself as a driller, not as an oil company executive. He, 
he his own self-image was insufficient. But but what that story of Michael tells, what I wanted to share and, and demonstrate in that story about Michael was the value of coaching, what it looks like and sounds like when it's happening, and the fact that one leader, <clears throat> the change, one leader, the senior executive changing who are who he or she is being and how he or she is behaving can have more effect on performance than anything else in the organization. Mm-hmm. And, and Michael essentially got his organization to deliver every well uh, on budget, on time, the very first attempt for 18 months. And that had never been done in the history of the industry for six months. And at the same time, he saved <clears throat> about $800 million and uh, didn't get anybody hurt in the process. And at the end of that whole that whole event, that whole series of, of time, we went and interviewed people and asked them if you could point to one change, what is it that, that caused this turnaround? And it was almost unanimous. It was the change in Michael and his leadership. We're going to take a quick break, Court, so just stay with us for one minute. Don't go away. You're listening to Leadership Development News. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, whathappyworkingmothersknow.com, or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're having a, a fantastic conversation with Court Dial. You can get some more information from his website at courtdial.com. And before the break, uh, Court, you were talking about Michael's story, you know, about how uh, changing a leader can change your organization or changing the behavior of a leader. So maybe say a little bit more, you know, for our, our listeners. Actually, what, so what did Michael do if you had to kind of highlight a couple action steps that he did to, you know, bring around that, that big change? What, what was it that he did? First thing he did was he allowed me to go out and capture what I call uh, the story about the leader that goes on when the leader's not around. Mm. You know what? And very few, if any, leaders have ever heard that story. Um, and whenever I I capture it and bring it back to a leader, they're almost always devastated, which tells me that uh, most leaders are never told the truth. And I think that's one of the key roles of a coach is to tell the leader the truth and be the person in his or her life that tells her the truth. But he got his feedback and essentially declared to his whole organization publicly he was going to make three changes in himself. Uh, one of them was he was going to stop being a control freak and he was going to um, give clear uh, directions and set expectations and uh, hold people accountable. And one of them was he was going to get control of his emotions and stop being so uh, uh, unbalanced and upset and was going to be a steady, calm leader. Mm -hmm. So that was the first thing he did. The second thing he did was he worked on, and he spent about two months working on this, his vision of the future. What was the future he was going to be leading from and leading others into as the leader of this organization? And he ended up writing a a two-page letter that... He utilized it, the third step he took, which he called the summit of about 80 of his key people and called them for three days uh, together. And essentially, the, the purpose of the summit was to enroll them, and share his vision, and enroll them in it and get them to work on it. And by, by the way, the process I'm describing, you can, you can read all about on my website on the page called Consulting. But it's basically the performance transformation process you discussed earlier or mentioned earlier. But the key of a leader in a situation is this, is what I've said before. You have to articulate a vision, a future. You have to go there, spend some time there, come back and say, this is what it could be like. And what he said it could be like is, uh, you know, oil People who work in oil companies understand that they're not seen in a very positive life, and they don't like that. So he stood up in front of them and said, we are going to be as, every bit as respected as first responders to the military. People are going to recognize, recognize the contribution we make to this nation, to its security, to our freedom. 
he got up and articulated things like that. And, you know, by the time he was done, you know, people at the break told me I'd kill for that guy. I'd walk over Colts for that guy. So he now had them engaged. And that's when he put in front of them, we're going to do something that's impossible. We're going to deliver every well on budget on time the first time, our very first attempt. I don't know how the heck we're going to do it, but you guys are going to spend two days developing a plan on how we're going to make that happen. And he since turned over the process to them. They were enrolled. And I, I try to help leaders understand that if you lead, your people will do the heavy lifting for you. Mm-hmm. They'll solve all the problems. They'll figure it out. They, they're more than capable. I mean, this company he works in gets the top 2% people from Stanford and all these other places. They're, these are brilliant people. They can figure it out. What's missing is leadership. Mm-hmm. And he did all those things. And then his job was to basically continually articulate that vision. And the last thing I think he did was really smart was he declared uh, what he called base camp. And he declared this delivering every well on budget on time the first time as our base camp. We have to get there, people, before we start to climb to my vision. Hmm. Base camp is is deliver that. And we have to do this this year. And lo and behold, they did the heavy lifting. They figured it out. And they got it done. So, Court, as you um, unwrap these stories and get into a little bit of the heartfelt engagement that's necessary for people to follow a leader, whether they're the team leader or the division leader or the company leader, what's the most common mistake you see business leaders make and what should they be doing instead? Well, to to put it succinctly, they try to direct and control people instead of leading people. So they develop procedures and processes and rules and things, and they try to develop systems to control people's behavior. And And the way I try to help people understand what I mean when I say that is, is in Austin here, we have brand new highways that are world-class systems. And everyone knows how we're supposed to drive and behave on these behave, on these highways. It's all there. The system's there and all the behaviors are identified and known. Nobody drives safely on these highways. And why, why is because no one has an intention or is committed to driving safely on these highways. That's what I call the self field of performance. And as a culture, as a society here, we haven't all agreed that we're going to do that. No one's done the work um, inside of people and amongst the people here in Austin to where we all see ourselves as a group of people who drive safely, who drive with courtesy and all the things you want in in, uh, a society. So as a result, the system is worthless. We spend a lot of money on signs and, and, and training and all this stuff, and it's basically worthless. So that's the biggest mistake. I have a concept called the four fields of performance, and their systems, behavior, self, and social. And what I see leaders doing is spending 100% of their time in the systems and behavior fields, which, by the way, you should spend time there. You know, uh, the idea is to get balance in all four. But they, they, if they're even aware of the self and social fields, they, they don't even uh, uh, spend much time in there at all. And by the way, I've learned that the social field will always trump the other three. Mm. That, that if, if socially we all agree or think this is the way something we've done, it doesn't matter what the system done. An example of that, if you go out on an oil rig in the Gulf of Mexico 
and something is being done by the group that's totally unacceptable, and you, you go, and I made the mistake of doing this, and you go to management and tell them that, you will learn real quick that what happens on the rig stays on the rig. And they have their own culture out there, their own social agreements and covenants that they have. And you, and it's a cardinal sin to break any of those, regardless of what the procedures say or, or anything else. Well, you said something else there that's very important, uh, especially to the work that Relly and I uh, engage in and, and bring folks onto the show to talk about. And I'd like you to focus on that a little bit, which is the self part, that emotional intelligence. You cannot manage others until you can manage yourself. So could you talk a little bit about the importance of that quadrant? Oh, it's absolutely critical. So um, you can never outperform what you hold as possible. You never outperform your own self-image. All those things you think and believe about performance in your organization, believe about yourself, your team, your group, all have a profound effect on the performance you get. What most leaders don't understand, most managers and most supervisors don't understand is that how to affect that, how to, how to nurture that in a way that has people in a sense hold it as a possibility. We can build a chemical plant and not harm anybody. That would be a, a, a form of working on the self. The way you do that is is uh, is you have conversations with people about uh, why is it possible? Why is it possible uh, to deliver every well on budget on time the first time? I know it's not possible, but why why could it be possible? If we could, how would we do that? Well, you the said self, something that just grabbed me. Field, <clears throat> say again. You said something that just grabbed me before. I'd like you to just go kind of. Um, talk a little bit about you said you never outperform your own image could you just talk about that for a minute sure uh, um, it, a human being can't outperform their self-image so if I have a perception well we in Austin we have a baseball player development business as our family does we develop young men into, to get college scholarships and some even make it to the pros but one of the things we tell them is, if you say to yourself over and over, I can't help hit a curveball, you can't help hit a curveball. Mm-hmm. Um, what you hold as, as possible as far as your performance is the limit to your performance. So by expanding that, and, and as a leader, if you want to take performance to a new level, one of the first jobs you have to do is ha- help people hold that as a possibility. Not like anything's possible, but it's a possibility is something. It's doable. It's with our control, and I have confidence we can pull it off. That's, the, that's a form of working in the self-field. And so, uh, Corey, what, mm-hmm. what have you found helpful for people to maybe get that expansion, you know, and that vision of what is possible for them? Um, you know, I know you talked about coaching and kind of getting mentoring and stuff, so um, I, I think as Kathy and I are uh, hear you and we agree, you know that's huge to start with the vision and start with that possibility and any kind of leadership development. Really starting with kind of who you want to be, and that creates that energy, you know, and, and kind of moving forward or to use the language, kind of leaning in. What are what are some of the ways that you found with with yourself and the, your organization that you know help people kind of create that? Because I think as like you're saying, the first limiting factor is themselves. So how do you open up that conversation? 
Well, let's, let's use safety as an example. So in many of the companies that work in, uh, safety is very important to them. Well, most people believe that accidents are going to happen, but they're not going to happen to the other guy. That's their whole relationship to safety. So first step one is you got to get them some skin in the game. So in some manner or form, you'd have to tell a story or show a video, do something or have people realize this conversation is important. Uh, it's worth having. Second, secondly, you have to take them through a series of three questions. And the first question I always ask is, why is it not possible? Uh, and that gets all that gets all their history and all their experience out, and they can paint the walls with why it's not possible. The second question is, why is it possible? Not how is it possible, but why is it possible? And that sends them to the self-field. And the only answer they can really come up to that one is because I, I think it is or because I want it bad enough. And the last question is, will it happen? And that's a commitment question. Okay, great. Well, we're going to take a, a, uh, our last break, Court, and then we're, we're going to come back and uh, talk to you more about performance and leadership and then also for coaching. So this is Leadership Development. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next-level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back, and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're having an engaging conversation with Court Dial, author of Heretics to Heroes. And Court, before we went to our break, you were telling us about a number of key questions that you can ask a leader that helps them to, if you will, engage their dream and remove some of these limits for the possibility that they have to perform at that level. Could you go through those three questions just one more time? Sure, and to set some context, I, I mentioned early Michael, the gentleman who called the summit. So step one, what the out, ultimate outcome the leader wants, if you're putting a possibility in front of people like, we're going to deliver every well on budget on time the first, time, first attempt, uh, you have to take them through on a journey to where they can reach a place where they see that as doable, see it was, as within their control, and have confidence they can pull it off. And these questions help take people through that journey. So by calling a summit, which had never been done, and he, he had these very unusual inv- uh, invitations were sent to them, that got skin in the game. And that's step one. People knew this was an important conversation we were going to have. And then these questions take them through that journey. The first one is, why is it not possible to deliver every well on budget on time the first time? Because people are So you could plug anything in there, right? You could say, what, what is it not? I'm just trying to, to get this doable for the average person who's not yeah, in the why can't business. We, why can't we get this fab built in half the time we've ever built a fab if you're working with someone like Intel? It's, it's, it's when you have something that is perceived as impossible to do today, this is a conversation you want to have with people. And it takes, it takes real skill and leadership to lead this. But one of the things I do is, is teach the leader how to, how to do this. And it's the leader who must lead this conversation. You can't bring a consultant in and have them do it for you. So Michael got in front of his people, shared his vision, shared this mission of uh, delivering all these wells in this manner. And the first question he had them all answer, and they spent about two hours doing it, and they painted the walls with it, with their answers of all the reasons why it can't be done. Because you have to allow the drift or the the present, the past to have its say and get it all out there. By the way, the answer to that question is all the stuff we're going to have to overcome to do it. So it's useful information from that standpoint. The The second question is... um, why is it possible for us to deliver these wells? And you have to make sure people don't answer that question as how is it possible? Because all they'll do is give you the opposite of what they just gave you. You want why. And a why question takes them inside themselves. 
and they really struggle with this question. And there's, they're, they won't paint the walls. They'll have a very short list, you know, be, because I care enough, because we're smart people. They start to talk about all the things they have and all the things they're capable of. And what you do is essentially leading up to a line in the sand. And on one side of the line is you hope it happens. And the other side of the line is I'm committed and I'll do whatever it takes. I'm a follower and I'm committed to your vision and mission and I will do whatever it takes. And that question, the third question is, will it happen? Will we deliver every well on budget on time the first time? And I can tell you of the 80 people in Michael's room, uh, at least two-thirds of them said no initially when they answered that question. But Michael allowed the conversation to go on, and they kept uh, arguing and enrolling each other. And ultimately, someone stood up and said, are we up to, are we, do we want to live the future that Michael's put in front of us, or do we want to continue down the predictable future, which we don't know where that's going? And they have since enrolled themselves and ultimately said we can do it. We're here to pull it off. And and then once you once you've reached that point, not everyone's in the boat with you, but you have a critical mass of what I call followers. And followers are ones that'll do the heavy lifting for you. They'll enroll everybody else to keep things moving. If you continue to lead them and care and feed for your followers, they'll get it done for you. And that can Beautiful. Be- yeah, that gets into some of the, the change and execution stuff. So you really are kind of sharing the you know, vision of one leader and then enrolling en- others. And uh, when you're working with folks, are you um, trying to help select, you know, who are the first on board and, and then empower them, you know, or is that kind of more of a natural process? Because it is that, you know, that enrolling. And, you know, and if it's not strong, you can get that negative uh, focus to be stronger than the positive. So any kind of strategies around who you enroll first to kind of make that happen? Well, as I said to Michael, who do you need in the boat from the get-go who's with you? Yeah. And uh, he invited 80 people out of his organization, about 10% of his people. Um, But this... this, uh, conversation I've been calling it is really what you're creating is a psychological container. It's like a popcorn popper is the way I describe it. And your vision is, is the popper itself. You're the, the people inside the conversation are the kernels and you're the source of heat. And the art is to not turn up the heat so much that you'll burn the kernels, but you have to make it hot enough to where they'll pop. But just with any type of popcorn popper, there'll be kernels that pop early. There'll be some that pop later, and there'll be some that never pop. And one of Michael's challenge was to identify, and he did that during a summit. He had a way of doing that. Identify who are my early poppers, who are my later poppers, and who are are the kernels that are not going to be popped. And in his case, he had two of the kernels that never popped on his senior staff. And he ultimately had to give them positions where they still contributed, but essentially he sat them down and said, this is what I expect of a leader. You're not, you're not living up to that. You have one of two choices. You can either, either choose to change or I'll find a position for you where you contribute, but you won't be a leader anymore in my organization. And, and two of those individuals chose to move to another position. Well, that seems very fair. Um, in the context of trying to create a future 
where other people right. who don't necessarily have the possibility can still exist. Sure, you st- you still want to take advantage of what they bring to the party, and sure, um, you, but you don't want to lose that. But at the same time, they're not they're not the right person to be in that role at this moment in time. So, Court, as we um, we start winding down here in the last few minutes uh, of the show, you talk about um, the only leader, leader, excuse me, the only leader who needs to change is you. Um, you've just given us a story about how one person starts to be the answer, but as you described the kernels of corn popping, it's obvious others need to follow. Can you talk a little bit about the only leader who needs to change is you? Well, it's all the things we've been talking about. The leader sets the vision, creates the climate, sets the tone, his or her emotional state is the emotional state of the organization. Most leaders don't realize, most realize about th- that they're what I call the big will. But when they spin, they, they affect everyone in the organization. I learned this early in my career. Uh, the company I worked for, you could only wear a black or dark gray or navy suit. Then one day, the CEO came walking across the campus in a tan suit. The very next day, my boss and my boss's boss were wearing tan suits. Uh-huh. And that taught me as early as a young engineer that, boy, that CEO has an immediate and profound effect on the behavior and what people think is, is okay and doable in this organization. That's great, Corey. And that's where we started with, and I think you've expanded. You know, the leader is the emotional thermostat. And so, you know, how they are, what temperature they're at, that kind of influences everybody else. So, um, Court, thank you so much. And for our listeners, CourtDial.com, you can kind of see about his uh, going all in, performance transformation, his speaking topics. And, Court, thank you so much. We really appreciate your ability to uh, enlighten us and our audience. Thank you. I enjoyed the conversation. Kathy, you want to bring us home? Sure. I just want to thank everybody, as always, for being with us for uh, helping us to tune you in, to tune up your leadership performance. And we are very excited to be with you for a wonderful new year where emotional engagement meets performance. So thanks for joining us on Leadership Development News. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.